0: Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. Well, we'll go ahead and get started in prayer. Well, God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to come together and to learn more about your word, to learn more about your plan and your love for us, Lord. I just thank you that you're going beyond my words and that you're giving a personal word to each person listening. You're awesome, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we get started with this, I just feel impressed on my heart to just share with you how much of an honor it is to be able to walk alongside you in your walk with Jesus. (laughs) It's awesome. You know, I'm growing just like you are, and I'm just so thankful that you've allowed me to be a part of your life. And I just want to encourage you to keep pressing forward, keep running after Jesus, keep following Him. Well, today, the topic that we're going to be talking about is the power of our words. And if you're wondering whether or not this principle is is worth your time, I can share from my personal experience that beginning to understand and implement, I want to add that, you know, it's one thing to understand it, but you also have to apply it in your life. But for me, this has been one of the most effective tools that I've learned from the Word of God. And, and might I add, you know, <laughs> I'm still learning it. I definitely have not arrived. My dad joke for this episode is that, you know, (laughs) if you use words at any point throughout your day, then yes, this is for you. (laughs) And really, that's just because no matter who you are, the words we say affect what happens in our life. Now, as we get started, there's a couple things I want to point out because I don't want you to walk away from this after having listened to this and think that what I'm trying to say is, one, that if you're unaware of this principle, you're quote-unquote a terrible Christian or you know, you've know you not been used by God or whatever other thoughts that the enemy will try and sneak in there. That's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, All I'm simply attempting to do is to make you aware of this principle. There's a saying I've heard before and it goes, hung by your tongue. And what that simply means is that it's our words that are hanging us up, that are inviting the enemy and his schemes into our lives. And most of us simply just haven't been aware that this is how things work. But after today, you'll no longer be unaware of how this principle works. The next thing I don't want to have happen is for someone to hear this and think, oh, the power of my words. Well, you know, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of makes me think of... Uh, Dana Carvey back in the day on the old Saturday Night Live skits, and and he would say, well, isn't that special? You know, <laughs> and ironically, that skit was called like the church lady or something like that. And it just makes me think of what religion wants to do today. You know, <laughs> religion tells us all sorts of things, one of which is that this topic, you know, it's really nice and all, <laughs> but it really only applies you know, to those dirty sinners who are cussing up a storm and, and doing drugs and, and doing all sorts of terrible things. You know, it only applies for them. But this doesn't apply for me because I go to church three or four times a month. <laughs> but the reality is that's the furthest thing from the truth. The truth is that our words affect every part of our lives. Your words affect your health. When we say things like, oh, it's cold and flu season again. You know, it's just a matter of time. I better go get my my pills. You know, I get sick every time around this year. Or another one is, you know, my parents had heart disease, so it just runs in my family. I'll have it once I get older. Or, you know, I probably won't even be able to walk when I get old. You know, Mark 11.23 says that we will have what we say. Your words affect your finances. We nonchalantly say things like, I never have enough money or I'll always be broke or I'll always drive this piece of junk car or live in a house that I don't want to or an apartment, you know, I'll just never have enough. You know, your words affect your relationships. Things like, you know, no one wants to be around me or I'll never find someone to marry or that relationship with so-and-so, you know, that can never be mended. You know, we just say these things so flippantly, but what we don't realize is that your words have power, and they are what's contributing to some of the negative things in your life, and that's because our words put things in motion in the spirit realm. So let me start off by trying to explain the power of our words on a practical level. There's an old saying that's been around for forever, and I can almost guarantee that if you haven't heard it at least when you were growing up, you know, you've know you heard it at some point in your life, and it goes, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you're probably just like how I used to be. You think, well, what's the harm in that? You know, it's just a saying. Well, first off, that saying is a half-truth. Okay, yes, sticks and stones can break your bones, <laughs> obviously. But to try and say that words will never hurt me, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Now, I understand that, you know, with that type of saying, the the focus is on somebody trying to prove... You know how tough they are. You know that even if you break my bones with sticks and stones, you know, there's nothing you can do to hurt me mentally. You know, I'm too tough for that. But really, this all comes back to spirit, soul, and body. You and I are a three part being. We are a spirit, we live in a body, and we possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. When we are someone we love, experiences a physical and an emotional injury simultaneously. You know, those physical injuries eventually will heal, but it's the emotional ones that tend to linger longer. And, and I want to try to keep this light. I don't want to use some, you know, heavy examples because I know a lot of us have gone through things that we're still working with, with Jesus to help us to let go of from the past and, and, and all those sorts of things, some terrible things that have happened to us. So I don't want to make this a heavy, but I just want to try to prove a point so you can see what I'm saying. Let's say you were a kid and you were outside for recess, and it was winter time, so you went outside and you slipped and fell on some ice. You know, maybe you sprained your wrist, or scratched your knee, or even bumped your head. You know, something like that. So physically speaking, yes, you were hurt, but those injuries will heal up. But it's the emotional injuries that tend to stay longer in your thoughts and tend to hurt us more than those physical injuries. And, and what I'm talking about is, you know, when you slipped and fell, the other kids were outside too, and they saw you slip and fall. And as a result, everyone laughed at you, you know. Even your first grade secret crush that you had laughed at you, and, and now everyone calls you clumsy. They've, get, they've given you that nickname or whatever, you know, you can come up with. And no, that didn't happen to me. Um, I'm just trying to give an example. The words spoken about you have the potential to last much longer than that physical injury of spraining a wrist or whatever the case may be, because that type of thing will stick with you that, oh, everybody laughed at me, and then you become all self-conscious in the future and that sort of thing. And even though that saying that we just talked about said, but words will never hurt me, it's just not true. And why is that? Because our words have power. So let's dive right into this in the Bible and see what God has to say about his words, you know, God's words, the things that he says. Psalms 89, verses 34 through 35. It says, my covenant, I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. So this verse is being directed towards David, uh, but it applies to us as well. It's saying that God doesn't break his word under any condition, that's just not something he does. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not make it good? So God does not lie. God doesn't take back his words. He's very intentional with what he says and he doesn't just throw out words flippantly. What he says, he doesn't break, he doesn't violate, He doesn't do that. In this next verse, David understood the importance of guarding his mouth and not using his words flippantly. And that doesn't mean that David himself was always successful at that. You know, if you know the story of David, you know, he had plenty of faults. But even with those faults, he was always turning back to God and he was considered a man after God's own heart. The verse he wrote was Psalms 141, verse 3. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Now, my pastor used to be a builder, like a contractor. And he tells a story about how the hardware store where he bought his lumber had a sign that said, measure twice and cut once. And how every time he'd you know, rip a board or cut a board, he'd realize that he should have measured twice because when he went to go use it, it wouldn't fit. So that piece of wood that he had to spend the money on would end up over in the scrap pile and wouldn't be able to be used because he cut it too small and that sort of thing and he couldn't use it. So same goes for us. We should think twice and speak once. We'd go a lot further in our relationships or at our jobs and so on and so forth if we implemented this principle to think twice and speak once. You know, not to just say everything that comes in our minds. Here's another powerful verse that shows us how awesome God Almighty's words are. Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word, you know, word, spoken word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So, now I believe that this verse is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. You know, as far as our existence is concerned, and, and, and let me explain why I'm kind of wording it in that, that weird type of way, it's saying that it's God's words, his actual verbal words that are holding the entire universe together. You know, I know we may have grown up singing songs, you know, like he's got the whole world in his hands, you know, that sort of thing. And that's not wrong, but it's not his actual hands that are holding the universe together. Okay, it's his words, it's what he spoke at creation. They are literally holding everything together. And if he were to go against anything he's already said, if he were to break and lie, everything as we know it would fall apart because it's his words that are holding everything together. (laughs) That's awesome. And I can't even begin to comprehend, you know, how in the world that could be so. But just like this verse says. It's by faith that we know this to be true, you know. meaning I can't see it, I don't understand it, but God said it and I believe it and that's good enough for me. I know it to be true because that's what his word says. So God is very clear that his words have power, that he doesn't go back on them. And if you claim to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm guessing there aren't probably too many of us that would dispute that, you know, because... You know, he's God and all, <laughs> you know, yeah, God has power, you know, his words have power, you know, but what about us? What's the Bible specifically say about our words? Well, Proverbs eighteen twenty one is probably one of the most common scriptures used when talking about this subject. And it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, you know, referring to our words and those who love it will eat its fruit. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode. But Proverbs 21, 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And again, soul is referring to your mind. Okay, it's not talking about your spirit that when you become born again is is changed. It's talking about your soul, your thinker, your mind, your will, your emotions, the thing that we use to make decisions with on this earth. We need to guard our mouth and our tongue to keep our soul from trouble. And that really goes right along with that whole saying I we mentioned earlier of think twice and speak once. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, this this verse is another one of my favorite verses. It's pointing out that the more words we speak, the better percentage we have of saying something stupid. And that really makes sense if you think about it. It's not saying that you will say something stupid. It's saying that the more words that come out of your mouth in the course of your day, the better chance you have of saying something that's not good for you. Someone who says, you know, 100,000 words in a day has a better chance of saying something wrong than someone who only speaks, you know, 10 words a day. And, you know, it's important to understand that this truth isn't limited to only the words that we verbally say. (laughs) It also would apply in today's day and age to what we put out there on social media. Just how James 119 talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Have you ever saw or heard something on a social media platform and allowed yourself to just react quickly? Now, there's a difference between reacting and responding. You know, Reacting most likely is a situation where your emotions have gotten involved. (laughs) <laughs> Responding is a thought- out response. It's not a knee-jerk reaction. but like I said, have you ever seen something and then all of a sudden reacted and posted <laughs> your differing opinion right away and woke up the next day and wished that you could have taken it back? <laughs> you know maybe you've typed something out that you didn't really need to? You know, if we would slow down. And maybe even pray before we are going to respond to some of the things that we disagree with. Just simply giving the Holy Spirit a moment to maybe change a couple words on our message that we send out. Because I'm not saying that we can't respond to things. What I'm saying is, let's love God and let's love our neighbor as ourself. It's good for people to know the truth, but it's also important that they are told it in love. And a lot of times, we're more focused on proving a point and winning an argument than we are at pointing someone to Jesus. And like this verse says, he who restrains his lips is wise. (laughs) God's word will make us look a lot smarter than we really are. And I can at least say that for me. (laughs) (laughs) Ephesians 4.29, and this is in the NIV version. Do not let, okay, you have a choice. Okay, do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And that's pretty much what we were just talking about, you know. Is it going to benefit their needs? <laughs> or is it all about us? Psalm 37:30 The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. Matthew 12:34 At the tail end of that, so the B part of that through 35. And this is Jesus speaking. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth, okay, and brings forth, that's just talking about speaking, good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Again, talking of your words. So whatever's inside you will eventually come out. You know, someone can be fake and and be a people pleaser and say whatever they feel people want to hear and and not really share how they really feel. And maybe that's to get ahead in life or whatever. I don't know. But there will come a time <laughs> where what you believe in your heart will come out. And maybe it's when the pressure gets turned up, you know, <laughs> the pressure gets turned on. And then all of a sudden we start spewing things out of our mouth and what we really believe starts to come out or You know, you see all these things on TV where people have hot mic situations. They don't know that they're being recorded or that there's a microphone around or something like that. And they think that they're talking to someone else in confidence and they start saying all sorts of things that are completely the opposite of what they were saying before. But now, for whatever reason, the truth is coming out and they're recorded and then they get exposed and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, next verse. Matthew 15:10 through 11. And again, this is Jesus speaking. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. So our words are extremely important. And actually there's a common way that the Bible tries to help us understand this. It relates our words as being seeds, you know, seeds like you put in the ground. And what do I mean by that? You know, we already mentioned the scripture that talked about how death and life are in the power of the tongue, you know, referring to our words. But words, whether it's the words that we speak or the words we hear and let in, either are producing life or death. And that's why it's so important we guard our ears and our eyes because that's how things get into us. They come through our eye gate and our ear gate we watch something, we listen to something, and those words want to take root and produce a harvest. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. And throughout Mark chapter 4, he gives us a couple different examples about seeds. One of the most common examples of seeds is the parable of the seeds falling on the four different types of soil. And this is found in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 20. And it's also found on... Matthew chapter 13, which ironically is what I was reading when I felt the Holy Spirit ministered to me to start this podcast. But anyways, so within this parable, the four different types of soil represent an individual's condition of the heart, and the seed represents the Word of God. Now, as you look over this, it's important to understand that in all these examples, there's nothing wrong with the actual seed itself. And because the seed in this parable is representing the word of God, it's important to point out that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. You know, okay, And that's described in 1 Peter 1.23. Now, Jesus taught all sorts of parables in his ministry, but this one in particular, he said in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You know, He's explaining how understanding this parable is the key to unlocking the all the other parables that he had to say. Understanding this parable will help you in all aspects of your life. And if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand the rest? You know, so I'd encourage you, you know, go back, spend some time on this one. We're not going to really break this one down, but I just wanted to point out the Bible uses seeds as an example to help us understand the power of words. Another example in chapter four here is where Jesus talks about how the kingdom of God Is like seeds scattered on the ground, and how we just can't explain how it grows. Now, in this example, and all these other examples where he's talking about seeds, it's important to understand here that Jesus was not trying to give them a lesson on agriculture. Okay. And this example specifically, he was saying how we can't explain how the Word of God grows within us, but yet it, it just does. And, you know, this example isn't limited to that interpretation, okay? This is just one thing that you can take from that. Another example of a seed in Mark chapter 4 is the example of the mustard seed, and that's in verse 30 through 32. How even though it's the smallest seed, when it's planted in the ground, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches to the point where even birds can nest under it in its shade. And again, this has many different applications. But what I'm wanting to point out is that even a word that seems insignificant, if we let it get planted inside of us, can develop into something significant. And what I'm really highlighting here is I'm talking about like negative words. How negative words produce negative results, life or death. But after mentioning those three or so other examples Where Jesus is describing our words as seeds, you know, throughout chapter four, what I was really wanting to get to was in verse 28. And in verse 28, it says, For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. And then verse 29 goes on to talk about how the plant is harvested. But I really want to focus on verse 28. Now, I've read that a bunch of times. And it just really never meant all that much to me because I'm like, okay, yeah, that's how plants grow. You know, that's how grain grows. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's nice. (laughs) But basically verse 28, what it's talking about is the growth process, the growth process that must take place before grain can be harvested. The ground, which again is our hearts, the ground doesn't care what type of seed is planted. It makes no difference whether it's a tiny mustard seed or an apple seed. It makes no difference whether it's a negative word or a positive word, okay? The ground, our heart, will start the process and do what it does in order for that seed to grow. And it happens as soon as the seed is in the soil. That ground is not a respecter of seeds, if you will. (laughs) Our hearts are designed to, to develop whatever seed gets put into it. Whatever words come into our heart, whatever we allow in through our ears or our eyes, our heart is designed to start to grow that thing. And that's why it's so important that we're not letting in junk because your heart is going to start to develop that seed. It's going to start to break it down. It's going to start to get roots. It's going to start to grow. And likewise, just like the scripture we already looked at said, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks... If a bad seed makes its way into our soil, we have to get that thing out of there or else it'll start to affect us. So if there's been some seeds that you know aren't very good, that are already in you and maybe even started to take root, I want to give you some hope that it's not too late, that it's not just something where, oh, you know, there's nothing I can do now. No, we have to choose to tend to our garden, just like a gardener. He wants a whole bunch of flowers to come up. And while he's waiting for those flowers to bloom, little weeds pop up. And what he has to do is he has to come and he has to grab those weeds and pull them out. Because those weeds will take away the nutrients and the water and stuff and take it from the flowers. So he gets those weeds out of there so that the water and the nutrients can go towards the flowers so they can grow. We have to do that with our hearts. So if there's something in there that shouldn't be in our hearts, we need to get that sucker ripped out. We can't allow it to fully develop. And what's a way that we can do that? Well, first, we need to be aware of the words that are coming out of our mouth, because again, out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow of our heart, the mouth will speak. But along with watching the words that are coming out of our mouth, we also can use the authority that God gave us at creation when he spoke things into existence. So by faith, we can use the authority he gave us and speak against whatever's trying to grow inside of us. And we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. But as I begin talking about, you know, our authority and that sort of thing, there's a danger that can develop. Not that the authority that God has given us is, you know, a dangerous or a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. What what I'm saying is that we can start to get into this ditch of thinking that it's our self-effort that produces the change. And it's not. What we're doing is we're simply using the authority that God has given us. It's not us that does it. Now we have a choice. We have to cooperate with it. It's like a police officer. You know, some guy can go out and stand out in the middle of the street and try to tell people to stop and that sort of thing. And if he's just a regular Joe Schmo, the people aren't going to listen. They're probably going to tell him to get out of the street, you crazy man. (laughs) You know, I want to run you over. Get out of the way. They're not going to listen to him. But if that man is backed up by the authorities, the police department has his badge and his outfit on and people recognize the authority that's backing that man, they'll now listen. And if they don't, there's consequences because that person is enforcing the entity that's behind them. Same thing goes with our authority. It's not us where the authority comes from. The authority comes from God. We can speak to those roots of bitterness or those roots of anger or those roots of whatever the case may be. And we can use the authority through Jesus' name to command those things to be removed, to command them to die, to speak life into the areas where the devil tells us that we don't have any hope. And again, we'll talk about that in the next episode. But again, why is it that this can happen? It's because our words have power. So it's important that we understand that we shouldn't be waiting around and be waiting for God to do something that he's already given you and I the authority to do. Because he backs us. And how does that happen? It happens through our words. Because our words have power. So today, if you've been listening to this and you'd like to have Jesus be the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It's not complicated, and that was by design. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So do you believe that Jesus was God in the flesh and that he is the Christ? Do you believe that he was raised from the dead? If so, then let's simply speak it with our mouth. Repeat this little prayer after me. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe he is the Christ, that he was raised from the dead. I make you Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that simple prayer and you meant it in your heart, you've been made brand new. The old has passed away and God's spirit is inside of you right now. And as we speak, there's a party in heaven going on celebrating your decision. And I'd like to encourage you, tell somebody about the decision you just made today. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.